the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, we played some clips from Project Veritas's latest uh, undercover action. CNN technical producer Charlie Chester is uh, the star of this feature. Uh, the clips from a couple of days ago, how he talked about how CNN got Trump out, climate change is their next, uh, the next uh, item on their agenda, um, and uh, fear cells. Down Congressman Gates. Fear cells, right? T- take down con- Congressman Gates was another one of it, uh, uh, one of uh, his iteration, uh, his utterances. And again, it's not to take a position on the Gates matter. It's just to take a position on the quality of journalism in quotation marks you're getting from CNN per somebody who's inside the castle. Uh, Charlie Chester, in the latest clip, talks about um, trying to uh, stem or trying to, I I should say, Mm -hmm. hype up the so-called Stop Asian Hate movement and uh, how some of the facts are not helping because at the same time they're trying to foment discord, racial discord with respect to crimes against Asian Americans. Um, the, uh, they're trying to also, of course, advance the agenda of Black Lives Matter, and this is becoming a bit complicated. I was trying to do some research on like the Asian hate, like the, you know, the, the people are getting attacked on a bunch of men that have been attacking Asian. Um, so I'm like, what are they doing? Like, we're trying to like help, like with the BLM, and like, we're gonna like. I mean, it's individuals. It's not a people, you know. Um, that's not good. The optics of that are not good. These little things like that are enough to set back movements, you know. Because the the, the, uh, the far left will start to latch on and create a story of like. Um, criminalizing an entire game, you know, just easy, easier headlines that way, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. So you're saying that the, the far left would label a whole genre of people? I, I kind of missed your point. Um, that, like, uh, no, the conservatives, I'm sorry, not the far left, but, uh, I've noticed that like you'll get headlines that you know might um, lump people together as opposed to focusing on the individual. I mean that's what Trump ended up doing with like the China virus. Right. It's very confusing to be an identitarian. On the one hand, he's worried about individuals being held responsible for their action versus just characterizing a group based on the conduct of one individual who happens to share their race, for example. That's what he's saying is how it should be 
with respect to uh, any crimes against Asians committed by a black person because he, he really needs those crimes to be committed by white people. So that advances their narrative. On the other hand, it's Trump, for example, who was doing the identitarian casting uh, a whole people based on their identity by characterizing COVID-19 as the China virus, when, of course, he's talking about Chinese communists, he's talking about the government, he's not talking about Chinese people. Of course, we know this, but I just find it fascinating. One, this is how you stop a movement, right? He's part of the movement, CNN technical producer. Two is the whole basis of the movement, the identitarian movement, including Black Lives Matter, is based on group identity, not individual responsibility or conduct. These are confusing times, particularly for so-called journalists. For more on the topic, we're pleased to be joined by our friend Brett Baer. Of course, he is the host of Special Report, weekdays, 5 p.m. Chicago time. Brett, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning. Morning. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is not anything we don't know through other Project Veritas videos and not just limited to CNN, but big tech companies as well. But, um, I mean, I just your, I guess, take on the state of journalism as it seems to continue to descend in into being part of movements rather than, you know, reporting the news and, and presenting context so that people can make sense of the world around them. Yeah, I don't think we need this technical director to tell us, um, you know, some of these things. It's it's evident by the editorial decisions um, CNN makes and doesn't make. And sometimes the doesn't make is also a big part of it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that some of this stuff was assumed that it's happening because it's uh, pretty much every show um, getting that, that kind of um, – a kind of order, it seems, uh, and he's just illuminating uh, from behind the scenes. Um, I think a lot of people know this. You know, a lot of people who I talk to who um, are news consumers uh, believe that there are fewer and fewer places that they think that they can get a fair shake of, of a story. And um, as I, I've always told you guys, I mean, I'm trying to be that place. Every day we strive to do that. Well, well, and and to to that point, I mean, not, not to, to to beat this drum, but I mean, you know, it's one of the, it's one thing when somebody like me says it's another thing when somebody who's actually the purveyor of it says it. It's just helpful. The other thing we see this week is this uh, Swiss billionaire who is uh, uh, making a bid for the Chicago Tribune, and um, we find some backstory here. He's part of this effort called the Hub to gather up news outlets for the purposes of being part of a movement, uh, like Mr. Chester said. And so, I mean, to your point about the uniqueness of your position, I mean, that you're not the only one, but I don't think you're the majority either of trying to play it down the, the straight down the middle and let people make up their own minds when presented with contextual and consequential information. But it's disturbing to see more of this happening and, and you know, uh, this leftist billionaire seeming to want to do that with the Tribune. If it hasn't already been done, at least on the news side, anyway. Yeah, I, and I think that that is part of the problem: is that uh, people are are looking for places that they can say, "Okay, I, I get this. This is um, this is coming to me straight, and um, I can decide what I think about it." And uh, you know, it's not that way in a number of different outlets. And I'm not saying that our opinion shows don't obviously just really hit hard what the opinion they want to put out there they do 
Uh, but there's very, very few places that uh, give you both sides. Well, there's very few places, too, and which is one of the reasons I like special report. When you, you report the news, you want to have a roundtable discussion of it, great. But you put people with different viewpoints side by side, and then people can you know, make assessments based on the quality of the arguments that one side of the issue is making versus another side. There's just very few places that are like that anymore. I mean, I grew up, you grew up with Crossfire, Capital Gang, and they're part entertainment, of course. But it, but at least you got idea, different ideas presented side by side, different policy recommendation, recommendations presented side by side, and then people had to do intellectual battle, and that's that's good for the viewer. I agree, and I think we have more diverse voices on Fox than than other networks do. Um, and you know, listen, when I watch a panel and um, it's about uh, negative to Trump. And they're supposed to be a balanced panel, and it's Bill Crystal and Jennifer Rubin, and um, you know, and and somebody else who's uh, really over the top against uh, all things Trump administration. I think you know that's just not a fair battle, and um, I think more and more people expect a little bit more fairness. But listen, we as a country have got to get our heads around um, trying to get to the heart of of matters and listen to each other. It's so insane that we talk past each other all the time. And um, in order for us to make anything work in Washington, we got to listen. Well, I mean, but it's hard, though. I mean, today I'm, I'm watching CNN this morning, 100 days since the Capitol insurrection. They keep this story going and going. How much more is there to do on the Capitol attacks? Yeah, I mean... They, they see a benefit to that, I think, obviously, um, politically. Uh, the story's not over. They're still finding, trying to find different people uh, around that. But, you know, I had a conversation with a congressman um, who was at the, uh, the shooting at the ballpark that uh, Scalise was shot at oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, June 14th. You know, a lot of people don't think back to that. And um, remember, that shooter was... Um, had allegiances to Bernie Sanders. He really liked Bernie Sanders. He was kind of far left. He was out to target Republicans. He comes, he, he lives in a van next to the ball field to target Republicans for, for a month. Uh, the only reason any of those people are alive is because Steve Scalise happened to be at that practice with his Capitol Police security uh, who end up uh, uh, taking him down once the police get there. But point being is that in the wake of all of that, that was not the focus, Right. And um, people don't remember, like they remember January 6th, obviously, and there's images and TV, and it was horrific. But they don't remember June 14th. It's Flag Day, but it's also the day that these people almost all died. Um, And it was definitely political. And um, I think that there's, it's just interesting how we look at different events. Yeah. Uh, and how they're covered and by different outlets, right? Uh, get, getting to some other uh, political matters, uh, Nancy Pelosi says uh, she is not su- a supporter of uh, uh, increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court. She's really walking a tight line here, and she's trying to keep her majority, which is a tall order, while still sort of serving the uh, more transformative-oriented elements of her caucus. I don't think she's saying that she's not for it. I think she's saying she wants to wait until the study, the commission that President Biden put in motion, finishes its its recommendations. And so she's not going to put a bill forward before that. Um, 
listen, this kind of is the camel's nose under the tent. You remember when, um, you know, Obamacare was like, um, you know, this is the beginning of the effort to to do government-run health care. And, and people would deny, no, 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 this is not it. Oh, it does seem like this is kind of putting this into the bloodstream so that the commission can come out and say, we do not recommend for justice is added, but we do recommend, you know, limiting term limits uh, for judges uh, or some other recommendation that somehow enables the turnover of seats in the Supreme Court. And um, that's what it feels like. It, 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 as a bill right now, it's not going anywhere. Well, do you do you think that then perhaps that she's conceding that the, she's taking a walk anyway, that the Democrats will lose the House next year? And so let's get everything done that we can get done, including on this topic. I think that there are some people who believe that and that they want to plow ahead, but they're going to run into Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. And um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. But I, I think at least now they said they're going to hold the line. I mean, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said she didn't want that. Yeah, she said keep it at nine. Nine's a good number. And listen, Joe Biden vehemently said um, when FDR did it, it was a bonehead idea. Um, I don't think the idea changed much, but um, but we'll see how how this commission comes out. And I, I bet they're going to come up, up with a different recommendation. There are different boneheads to be served now, I suppose. Um, when... Um... Joe Biden gave this uh, big speech about uh, Afghan troop withdrawal this week. And the upshot, it seems to me, was barely newsworthy other than to to say that uh, he is going to abide the deal that was negotiated in the previous administration. That seemed to be lost in this. This is Joe Biden sort of being reported as this is Joe Biden's idea. He's going to end the nation's longest war. And then uh, sort of midway through that speech, yeah, I'm going to do what uh, the Trump administration negotiated, full faith and credit of the U.S. government and all. Yeah. You know, remember, Trump uh, and the administration wanted them out by May 1st, and he was not going to, Biden was not going to meet that deadline. But again, this gets to coverage, right? If you go back to when the Trump administration was talking about that, the Taliban deal and the May 1st deadline, it was all headlines about irresponsible and um, uh, reckless and, you know, puts the, the country in jeopardy. Now the headlines are, it's time. He's going to end a generation worth of war. Right. Right. Um, this is the bold decision, blah, 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 blah. So it is the, the coverage of it. I do think that there are legitimate concerns about what the Afghan government is and how it can or cannot defend itself. And some small, quick reaction forces, what some people were fighting for, um, is not going to be there. Well, right. No, General Petraeus, as opposed to this, and he was given profile when it was the Trump administration moving it, when Biden doing it now. General who? Who's David? Yeah. Uh, Brett Baer, Fox News anchor, special report, 5 p.m. Chicago time during the week. Best-selling author of Three Days at the Brink, FDR's Jerry Gamble to win WW2. Brett, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.